in only a few seconds, you will find yourself amid an insurgency of pre-recorded audio. What you will hear will be beyond a doubt proof that mankind has mastered the medium of sound. This is Earth Oddity, and these are your hosts, Christopher Teeny Sullivan and John Lang. Hey guys, Tiny here with a special bonus episode of Earth Oddity where I had the pleasure to get to talk to Steve Wiebe, two-time Donkey Kong champion, amateur musician, movie star, and all-around nice guy. This really is the my favorite interview that I've done so far. So without further ado, here's Steve Wiebe. Really hope you enjoy it as much as we did. <laughs> hey, thank you so much for doing this. Hey, I really appreciate it. Hey, you bet. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, so uh, Steve Wiebe, I guess if I was going to just uh, to start with ask you a question, did you have any idea that Donkey Kong would turn you into a celebrity? Never in a million years. When I was <laughs> playing it in my garage, I was just trying to get a high score that I would, thought was just going to go on some internet page and have very little consequence, but it turned out to be quite a roller coaster ride, that's for sure. Why is there any particular reason you chose Donkey Kong? Was that just a, a favorite of yours that you've been playing for a long time or Yeah, that was the one one of the few that I loved growing up. There was Donkey Kong Junior, of course, and then there was Pac Man for a little bit, Asteroids, but Donkey Kong was always my favorite. And then I got a machine in college and I just got better and better at it and just kind of motivated me to just keep going. So yeah, I always thought that was the best game around. Okay, cool, cool. And so one day you just decided, hey, I'm going to go for the highest score there is. And I would imagine most everyone listening to this has seen The King of Kong Fistful of Quarters. I know it's been out for a bit now, but just in case anyone hasn't, you decided you submitted a tape for the high score, and that just launched you into a world that you didn't know it existed before of retro gamers and the competitiveness of the classic gaming scene. That is correct. Yeah, I didn't know anything about the other gamers. I never met anybody except friends of mine in town, but I knew of Twin Galaxies. I stumbled upon them when I just, I always was curious about what the high score was because back in 90, 91 ish, I got to the kill screen twice and, and didn't know what was happening. And then I, was always curious what the record was. No one knew. I, I asked a friend of mine that actually worked at Nintendo or did like, he was like one of those guys that people called questions if they had problems on, you know, a game. They would call this my friend at Nintendo and he would help them through whatever it was. And I go, is there any records of anything? And he didn't, he never had an answer for me. Mm -hmm. And then the internet came around and eventually like, it was uh, late 1999-ish, somewhere in that vicinity is when I was able to look it up and saw Twin Galaxies had the score. Billy Mitchell was actually the record, had the record at that time. It was before Zerby had got his record, but it was like maybe only a few months before Zerby. Um, so I knew I had a score that was better than that, and then I just decided, hey, let's go ahead and buy a, a machine. had sold my other machine, and I'll... I know I could get this record and it'd be something just to accomplish. And that's what I did. And it just opened up, yeah, like you said, a, a whole new world that I never knew existed. <laughs> so I, 
Hey, Steve, this is John. This I'm, is the other I'm guy. I'm the co-host. <laughs> I'm, Hi, John. I'm extremely more country-sounding than tiny, so not to shock you, we are in Alabama. Uh, Alabama. Literally the other side of the country. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, my question was, how did they approach you about doing this movie? Like, How did it get off the ground? Well, my friend, Mike Thompson's in the movie. He's We go back to, like, seventh grade, played baseball together, and played in a band in high school. So I was telling him things that were happening with, you know, Donkey Kong. He knew I was going for the record a little bit. I think I'd told him stuff here and there. But when I told him that some guys came over to inspect my machine, he couldn't believe that people were taking it this serious. And he thought, we need to, there's a, there's a documentary here. And he's a screenwriter. He knows good stories and he he knew this was something that would be interesting and it happened that he um another mutual friend of ours had a buddy that was in the documentary scene and he was finishing up a movie called new york dolls and they were at the very editing the end editing stage and they were you know they're always looking for the next idea so my friend mike thompson relayed this story on to these people I didn't know who they were. I'd, I'd heard of one of the guys at Cunningham played football for the University of Washington, and I knew of him. I never met him. So they got wind of the story, and they were interested in doing it. And I met Ed, and I didn't meet Seth yet, but I met Ed in downtown Seattle shortly after they were interested in, in following the story. And he said, just write down a timeline of all the events that have taken place, you know, up until now, because they obviously weren't around to catch all the, a lot of the stuff that's in the documentary. It was right. kind of backstory stuff. Um, but they picked it up right when, you know, fun spot from there on, they were on the scene. Oh. So it was basically my friend Mike Thompson was the liaison to the story getting, getting told. Nice. Quick question. Why is fun spot the mecca of retro video games? Do you, is there any reason why? Uh, well, I'd never heard of it, never been there. It's it's a huge arcade. It has, like, miniature golf and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a bingo <laughs> thing right next door to it. If I remember right, door itself was going over to the bingo parlor. <laughs> um, but the, there's, like, two floors. If I remember, it's two stories. The whole, you know, it's, it's filled with every, probably every arcade game you would, you'd want to be able to play on. So I think that's probably... Why just the Norman, the Norman, Norman, whatever the Norman nimity of it, it was, it's yes. this huge place. And I, the arcades that I grew up in were just like, you know, small scale compared to this. But mm-hmm. I'm sure there's other places that might be as, you know, as big as this or not quite as big. But for some reason, this was tagged as the Mecca. Maybe this is where, um, well, Steve Sanders grew up in Kansas City. So I don't know if he was going to Fun Spot, but. Um, I don't know how it got that tag, but he called it, I think, but that Steve Sanders called it the mecca of video gaming in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it is a big place. That's probably the only reason I can think of. It's got all the arcade games you can think of playing. Okay. So one of the most fascinating things about the documentary to me is how understanding your wife is. <laughs> Being a married man myself and, uh, you know, I have children and, 
anytime I decide to maybe like practice the guitar or something, there's something always comes up. So mm-hmm. how did you navigate that with her? Because I would imagine it takes quite a long time to set a record and uh, to practice to set a record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I can't remember any formal discussion. I think I just said, Hey, I'm interested in getting a Don Kong machine. Um, I need to buy it and told her the price and she didn't, she was resisting it. She probably didn't know what was in store. I didn't say I'm going to be playing. <laughs> Wives just don't understand, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there wasn't a problem at first. I mean, I didn't, and even along the way when I was playing it, she didn't have a problem as long as I was, you know, the kids were young and as long as I was helping out and didn't spend their all day in the, in the garage playing. Right. So she, she had said like after the, Hey, the kids are in bed. Hey, and go ahead and play. And, Eventually, I kind of snuck out to the garage during the day and, and scored some points there. But um, but she was very supportive. Yeah, she, I guess she just knew she knew I had a Donkey Kong in college, so she probably knew that was one of my passions. Was she knows music was a big passion of mine, and, and video games, Donkey Kong in particular. So she didn't want to she didn't hold me. She's not into holding me back to anything that I that's within reason, you know. Nice. So yeah, so she was very supportive. That was yeah. Yeah, that's, totally. a, that's a good woman, you know? <laughs> yeah, for sure, yeah. My, my wife, uh, she's grown to accept it, but she still hates the fact that I have a podcast that I sink <laughs> hour, like probably, I don't know, five hours into every week. She hates it, so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if I tried to set a record or something, she would just be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me ask you this. After the movie ends, and again, this, this movie's been around for a while, but uh, it ended with... Your your tape being, I guess, accepted, but then in, in 2018, Billy Mitchell's records were stripped of him, and, and I'm not smart enough to know, but he was accused of using MAME, which I suppose that opens up safe states and, and things like that. What did you, how did you find out about that whole thing, that whole controversy? Um, well, there was some grumblings that this was before the formal allegations were laid out, but there was some Donkey Kong players that were didn't believe that he had um, scored. I always believed his scores because I didn't had no other no reason to doubt them. Um, but they were starting to doubt that he even scored what he got in the movie because you know when he played in the Kong offs he didn't perform well for whatever reason. But um, a lot of times he would just take over the master of ceremonies role and he was great at that. So he, he kind of didn't play as much as the other gamers. But um, so these other gamers were just really starting to doubt whether he even got the million points back in the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And so I was like kind of curious. I was going, wow. And then that was like a couple of years before the Jeremy Young is the, the one who uh, kind of spearheaded the, the allegations. And when I did, didn't hear it, um, I didn't see it directly on the internet, but my friend, he was a Galaga world record holder. He had it at the time. He's not now, now and no longer the champion, but he's, he's been a friend of mine since he saw the movie and reached out to me. And we've been friends for now like 10 years, but he called me and said, Hey, did you see the latest with Billy Mitchell? And I was like, no. And then I looked, I just typed in whatever I went on the internet and, and searched and I, and I, and, I, and then there was just a Donkey Kong forum is where all the, evidence was laid out i went there and they showed all the the screenshots showing the loading of the the boards that are not arcade like 
um, images and, and they had all the evidence spelled out. And I was like, wow, this is crazy that some, that someone thought to analyze it this closely. <laughs> but then Billy denied it all still. So I did, you know, I was like going, the truth. I'm, I'm never sure what the truth is with all this. I'm, I'm pretty much in the dark in most of this stuff. I just play the game of Donkey Kong, submit scores. And at that point, I have no control of what's going to happen. So I didn't, I was like, okay, if that's what they came up with, I was accepting that as the truth because there was analysts going through it. And then they gave me the, being the first to a million points, they gave me that title. Cool. So that was Twin Galaxies and the Donkey Kong Forum, which is an informal Donkey Kong community, but it's not an official track, world record tracking. I mean, but they do have a record, a scoreboard that they have, and they stripped all of Billy's scores, and so did Twin Galaxies. Mm-hmm. And then I think even uh, Guinness did for a little bit there. So right. And I was like, okay, I'm, I guess that's what happened. But Billy was drumming up his side of things, so he was fighting back, and I wasn't sure what. I knew, I knew that Twin Galaxies wasn't going to budge because they had done all their research and they were firm in their stance but then there was the story that he was suing people and he was fighting Guinness and Guinness was maybe going to look into it and reconsider so that's where I didn't know what was going to happen from there. Do you and Billy have any sort of relationship friendship anything like that? Um, I don't I call him outside of events I'll see him at the Kong off and we're friendly to each other we don't you know, we're not great buddies or anything, but <laughs> but he, I think he respects me and I respect him. And we talk and we'll chat here a little bit there, and and then I don't see him again for another year. Or so, um, yeah, we're we're not harboring any ill will. At least this not, doesn't appear to be anything right. on the so, surface. So most of that that we see in the movie that's water under the bridge at this point, right? Because. I know that after the I'm, I'm assuming after the movie, this just blew up Donkey Kong bigger than it was before. It appears to be like super competitive now. And I know that uh, high scores have been traded back and forth between several different people. So is that just kind of, uh, I, I guess, is Billy, was he portrayed in a certain light in the movie? Or is he really the Adam Sandler-esque movie villain that he came off in the movie? I think he has that persona that the arrogance which i think most of his friends he's not a you know he's not a wimp or anything he's got you know he's gonna stand up tall and and portray confidence and and that so he's definitely not a pushover and he's got he's powerful in his own way so he i don't you know the movie showed clips and things and pieced them together to to build a story like you know like anything that you're gonna tell a story a book or anything you write it's gonna be framed so it's got to be a story moving people and make it interesting and i think what they highlighted was his arrogance and made him like the evil character and <laughs> and, and i was like just the lonesome loser kind of character that they hyped a, l- a little bit on either end to, to make this dichotomy mm-hmm. sure um, so the people that argue it's fictitious and all that the the story the parts the main part of the story, what I did and the events are true, you know, but if you're going to tell a documentary and make it interesting, if you just can't have a bunch of 
it's like a history channel. You right. Can people chatting and saying dates and stuff. It, it would never have even taken off. So that's that's just what you do with with stories. If we could for just a second, uh, let's back up a little and talk about your illustrious movie career. How did uh, how did you start getting bit roles in all these films? Yeah, um, well, Seth Gordon, the director mm-hmm. of King of Kong, he uh, got his first, with the success of the documentary, he got a, a gig for directing the movie Four Christmases, like a, a, just a year later, and... I, w- I thought I heard that Vince Vaughn was, who was in the movie, was mm-hmm. interested in. Hey, you should bring Weeby on for one of the roles here. So, so that was Vince part. Vaughn's idea to bring you on. That's what I thought, but Seth oh. ultimately um, was the one to to make make it happen. Mm-hmm. He's the director, but you know, um, and I think Seth might may have had it in his head to maybe have me do cameos in his movies. But so I got that little part, and then. I was actually down in Hollywood for a whole month because the part was in my role was in a few scenes that was spaced out and I had to take time off from teaching and everything. So, and then from there, it just Seth started, you know, he got just ne- the next movie and he, or some, he did some pilot, pilot episodes for some TV shows. And are you talking about Sneaky Pete? Yeah, I did. I okay. Sneaky Pete, there was um, Goldberg's. There was one called Breaking In. It had Christian Slater in it. It mm-hmm. was on Channel 13. I think it may have lasted one season, but I thought it was an interesting concept. But I had little tiny cameo appearances, and that was, and that was all Seth at that point. There was so I, was, I think he mentioned I'm kind of like his good luck charm. Kind of, kind of kept me in as in as a little small luck charm there. That's cool. Um, yeah, so I was appreciative of that. So I was always able to get off from school, take a few days or whatever it took, and, and go uh, on the set. So did he just call you up out of the blue and was like, hey, uh, I got this movie and I, I I want you to be in it? Or how did that call go? Yeah, that's kind of what happens. I don't remember the first one. It must have been a text. But after that, there were just text messages like, hey, do you want to be in my new movie? That's all he would say. <laughs> I go, okay. sure. <laughs> I'll be in it. Yeah, let me know. Then you'll um, – then you would send details and and hook me up with like people that would set up like flights and all that. And then, um, well, the Pixels movie, I had actually got that. He had probably been in. He wasn't directing it. I think he might have been a somehow linked with it, but he wasn't the director. Christopher right. Columbus was. So I got an. E- if I remember for that one, I just got an email about from somebody about Pixels, and they were saying, "Hey, we'd like you to." play this part and the original part I was supposed to play was uh, a guy in the arcade that was dressed up kind of like a karate kid with a um, <laughs> uh, whatever you have on your head forehead yeah I'm watching when I watched the movie there was someone else playing that part but I, I wasn't able to get off from school to film that part so they gave me the darker scientist of the, um, a scientist yeah. in a laboratory and I was in the laboratory and Josh Gad came in and he was starting to meddle with this little, um, this ro- rover thing that, or whatever you want to call those, mm-hmm. that, um, what are those, those things called when you, whatever. Uh, uh, I thought just rover, right? Rover, whatever. Yeah. There's a, but, um, so that's on my laboratory desk and he starts 
playing around with some remote control and he flies it and it flies it right into a bank of computers and all these explosions go off. They had to have all these pyrotechnic people set stuff up. And I thought that was scene was going to be in the movie because they spent so much time with that and then it didn't make the movie. Oh man. So I'm not even in the movie, but they have me in the credits. It's kind of funny. So, um, maybe I was like somewhere in the background. I didn't even realize I could have been somewhere <laughs> in there, but it was cool. I got to hang out with Adam Sandler and we played two on two basketball with a couple of other guys. That is we, super cool. Yeah. Me and Adam were a team and we, we did well. He was like the post player. I'd be outside shooting three balls and he'd be inside. So he, had, he has a pretty good game. So if he's if you've seen Grown Ups and he's playing basketball, it's about basically what he what he was playing like. Who was on Peter Dinklage's team in the basketball game? Oh, Peter <laughs> Dinklage. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Sandler posted him up. You know, we're all laughing our heads off. <laughs> I, I, I did meet Peter Dinklage too. I, I met him. So yeah, he was a cool guy. I wasn't even a Game of Thrones fan. I mean, I, I know Peter Dinklage because Elf, the movie Elf. Yes, yeah, my, my favorite Christmas movie. We watch it every yeah, year. I, I watch it every year, too. It's like it's classic. Um, but I, I was great to meet Peter. But at that point, I had never even really watched Game of Thrones because it's an HBO series and I don't get HBO and I don't didn't buy any of the, the, the DVD sets or anything. So I wasn't like people who, who were in the Game of Thrones were like, oh, wow, you got to meet Peter Dinklage. I was like, yeah, I'm, he's cool. But I didn't have a, you know, I didn't have the Game of Thrones mm-hmm. image, you know, of meeting the guy that's like one of the, the best characters, I guess, in that series. I've actually never seen it either. Uh, but I was going to ask you, and maybe this just comes from what I see of him in movies, like in game. And I, I was a fan of the Ron Burgundy podcast, and he was on an episode of that. What's it? Is he as serious in real life as he is in his parts? Because he, he puts off this vibe like he is there for business. He's not there to make friends. He's there to make art. Is that is that what he's like in real uh, life, or is he a little more laid back? No, he was laid back when I met him. I, I went up to his trailer, and I don't think I don't, I don't remember if someone escorted me there, and we knocked on the door, and, and he came out smiling and happy. We got a picture together. Yeah, he was. He seemed fun. Cool. He wasn't like he yeah, wasn't like the Miles. Uh, Whatever his last <laughs> right, <person. laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll go ahead. Oh, I, I was just going to ask you about. I know you've made a lot of music um, and released a, a few albums. I was just going to ask you about anything currently you got going on with that. Yeah, I, I made I released my fourth CD just a few months ago, so I have. A- like quite a music career that no one knows about. <laughs> well, I know about it because I read it on your Wikipedia. It's better than mine, which absolutely no one knows about. A few people, yeah. It's, it's really hard to, to get. Um, I find that even if you, I mean, people that hear it, they like it, they think it's great, and they think it could be on the radio, but it's really hard to get the average person who, they have to be told something's good, you know? like mm-hmm. yeah. A lot of people are just, they're just, um, consumers. Like for me, like movies, I'm not really going out there to find some undercover movie that is great. I'm given, you, you feed me the, the commercial movie and I'll sit there and watch Arnold Schwarzenegger blow up the world and I'll eat it up. <laughs> so that's a lot of the people and I'm trying to criticize people, but their music is not, is not something they're out there seeking under uns, unsigned artists. 
Right. They, they're, and they're not going to listen to, even though a song is only three minutes, they, they don't want to waste time like trying to hear a song. <laughs> if they want to go right to the songs they know and love. So it's really hard to, to get anything going in music, but I'm just happy to record it and put it out on, on the internet. And, and there's people that like it. So that's all it. If I get one person to like it, that's that's meaningful. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like if you need to, if you want to have like a hit worship song, what you need to do is take an old hymn that people haven't sang in a long time and write a custom bridge, and then just sing the chorus over and over and over again. <laughs> we call and that the Crowder. Isn't that the formula for for hit worship songs? <laughs> At least it is down here in the southeast. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Probably they got to hit them with the familiar. When they hear something familiar, then they'll. Gravitate towards it. That's right. What kind of music did, were you into growing up? I just, the let's see. I bands in the high school, and that was like early '80s. So you know, I like Rush is my favorite. Oh, I love or, Rush. <laughs> I love Rush. And, yeah, Rush, and we'd be playing a lot of Led Zeppelin and um, some Van Halen a little bit. So all those bands that. I mean, you don't hear. There's the the day of the band is over. I don't. Right. You know, there's right. nothing. It's kind of sad. I guess you know they say rock is you know rock is dead. Probably is because like to an extent you're not going to get bands like where some guitarist like Eddie Van Halen. It's not going to be another. Right. Era, I don't think where the, the guitarists of those calibers are going to be. You know, in the forefront of music, it's all about like the country pop. Yes. Stuff. Yes big hip hop and rap and um you know and I, I try to watch songland that that show and it's mostly that kind of song singer songwriter stuff it's not you know there's not a lot of band oriented it's mostly vocals and a lot of the and i i use a lot of um in my music since i don't have musicians i have to use midi mm-hmm. you know stuff sounds that aren't real and that's a lot of the stuff that you you hear they're not using like real drums. Right. They might, I mean, some some are, but there's some. Right. It's just programmed, and that works for the music. But so yeah, so back in the day, we were yeah, everything was like real guitars, drums, everything, and it was great. And then that that's gone, I guess. But that was that's what I grew up on. Yeah, that's why I I don't think kids these days get together in the garage and just sound awful for six months figuring out, you know, four or five songs to play at a backyard party somewhere. That that whole culture's lost, I think. They get on a MacBook yeah. Pro. Yeah. That's what right. they do now. Yeah, they'll they'll make yeah, something in Garage Band. Like, yeah. Yeah, I teach at high school and there's like maybe one or ten years I've been there, maybe one or two high school bands have played. But yeah. It's yeah, it's definitely not the same. Yeah, it's, it's kind of sad when you think about it. Or maybe we're just old and this is what our parents yeah. sounded like when Elvis was cutting <laughs> records or whatever. Well, yeah. If you go back to the, the big band era, the people that, like our parents who grew up on that, oh, this is sad. The, this is a travesty. What happened to the big bands? You know, they're gone. Yeah. And I guess that's the way we're looking at our rock and roll bands. Right, yeah. But, I mean, there's still something about getting together with your friends and playing music that... It, you can't get that experience anywhere else, you know. Like, yeah, I, I remember the first time, you know, we were playing whatever it was, mm-hmm. like a uh, cream song, and, you know, you, you lock in on a groove together, and it's just like the best feeling in the world. And kids don't get that anymore. I hate it. Yeah, I remember, yeah, our high school band, we would, like, we were creating music, and we would 
come up with something really cool, we'd all just burst out in laughter because it was just like amazing. It just sounded cool to create something. Yeah. Do you still have any of that music from your high school days? <laughs> yeah, our one of my the guitarists, he's pretty technical, so he's rounded up all these cassette tapes and he's bought equipment that he can digitize it and and upload it to a program called Pro Tools and he can he can edit try to make it sound as good as you can, but when you're getting stuff off these Kmart, you know, cassettes <laughs> right. from the nineteen <laughs> It's hard to make it sound much better, but he's been doing a good job of that. And, and he's, he's, he's showing, he's like releasing it to, you know, he's sending us links to the songs and it's, it's kind of fun to hear it back. We can't believe how we were putting up with the poor quality, like the, <laughs> you know, <laughs> recording it out of a boom box onto a cassette tape. And we thought that was actually good sound. No, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, for the time, it wasn't that far off. I mean, yeah, you know, for that time. Yeah. yeah. Is that up on any streaming platforms anywhere or anything? Like, if, if someone wanted to check that out, could they? Uh, not unless I uh, put it up. Maybe at some <laughs> point in time I could maybe, yeah, put that up somewhere. And yeah, the Steve Weeby deep cuts. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> or, hey, remember hidden tracks back in the 90s? You get buy a CD and then like 15 minutes after the last song, something that you didn't know about would pop up. Yeah, the Easter eggs. <laughs> <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> well, let me ask you this. Uh, and... I'm sure you've heard about this, but last week, Guinness World Records, I guess they bowed the knee to Billy Mitchell and decided to reinstate all of his records. Uh, had you heard about that? What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I got usually these things I get hurt, wind of from a friend of mine that texts me or sends me a link to an article, and, and that's when I heard about it. I thought, I, I think I knew he was like in the middle of, you know, Guinness and him, them were reconsidering so i, I kind of knew it was possible but i didn't know until someone sent me a link and i was just like i read it and they were saying they they did their own independent study and and based on eyewitnesses and but they didn't spell out any of the like scientific right, any of the criteria they just yeah, yeah. And the, they said they did their own study and and then they concluded there wasn't enough to overturn it i think it may have been similar to like when they make a call in football, you know, and they, and it, once you rule it a touchdown, if you don't have conclusive evidence, right. they were saying they can't overturn it, but they didn't confirm I, from what I could tell. They didn't say that it was absolutely done on arcade. They just said, we don't have the information to, which I don't know who, what, who did the study and, or whatnot, but twin galaxies is still, not budging and they have to go to court on this. So at this point in time, it's kind of like the boxing. I think there's like two titles. There's like, I don't know what the names of them are. So I guess in one title, he has the, you know, the first to a million and the other title, I had the first two million. Right. Yeah. So it's kind of like a split decision there, but, um, so it's going to be interesting to see what the lawsuit plays, how it plays out with he's suing twin galaxies and I think a couple other individuals, like um, Jeremy Young, who started the the allegations, is being sued. Yeah, he um, sued a, a YouTuber also that goes by the name Apollo Legend. I don't know the guy, but he, apparently he's a speedrunner. He made a viral video breaking down how Billy allegedly cheated in his scores. He, like, sued him, too. So Yeah, he sued him, and I think, yeah, so he's going after a few people, and I think, Maybe some some of them 
I think Apollo may have, I don't know if he's agreed to pull down all his videos that, that are incriminating to Billy, so he's not being sued. Now, maybe he's still being sued, but, so we'll see. I don't know what's going to happen with that. I don't, I don't think, I think it's really hard to, I'm not a lawyer, of course, but right. to claim, I think it's defamation of character he's trying to, to get to. And yes. I think there's a certain fine line between freedom of speech and, you know, because if you're saying things you believe is true and it's, and you're not acting out of trying to, to bring somebody down, mm-hmm. they have to decide, you know, is it malicious intent here or is, are these people claiming what they believe is true? I mean, if you, you have to be able to say stuff that is incriminating and that's what Twin Galaxies was doing and they, they were acting on good faith with it was what they believe and so I don't know how they could be, uh, I don't know exactly what charges they're being sued for, but I know defamation of character is very tough to do. Yeah. Right. I know that Apollo Legend, just like last week, I mean, just hours after Guinness World Records made their announcement, he put up a video calling out Guinness World Records. So I, I don't know if, I don't know if his Billy Mitchell videos are up, but he is not happy about what's going on. Yeah. It's, they should make another movie like everyone's asking for where's King of Kong 2 and they could probably make three or four of them this could be like the whole Friday the 13th series (laughs) (laughs) yeah where every single time you think Billy's dead he just gets he comes back up from the bottom of the lake and continues to seek vengeance on those he feels wronged him (laughs) yeah yeah so there could be another I know that they were always wanting to do a Hollywood version of the King of Kong and they never were able to get a good script that they liked because they didn't want to just retell the documentary exactly the same way. They wanted to have a little different perspective on the story. So, so I don't know if they have enough right. material now. I thought they were going to even, after Billy was accused of cheating, I thought that was enough to maybe spur on another documentary. Now that's the three decisions reversed or partly reversed. Now I thought, again, they might have another bunch of material, but I don't know. We'll see. Well, yeah, I know that uh, my co-host, he was the one who actually picked the documentary for every month. We do a patrons exclusive show and we started this new segment where we just have a, you know, podcasters like to talk about what they what they're into or what they enjoy. It's easy. It's something you can talk about. And John was actually the one who picked King of Kong. And then after I watched the movie, I started you know looking it up and I was like, oh, my goodness, this story is still happening. Like there's still <laughs> developments yeah. happening right now. So there's absolutely I mean, it, it certainly seems like there's plenty there for a part two if uh, somebody would ever decide to make it. But if they did make a Hollywood movie, who would you want playing you? Uh, well, back like 15 years ago when it was discussed, or maybe 13 years now. Um, I think the names that, that, that Jason Bateman came up. That's a good one. And, but now that everyone's getting older, I don't know if Jason, I know Jason's <laughs> going to be 60 until, you know, if they ever do make the movie, he'll be too old. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then there was like, people thought Nathan Fillion looked like me or I looked like him a little bit. Yeah. He's the guy that was in, uh, he's been on some TV series. Can't think of the names now. And, um, yeah, there was, I think those were the couple names that were out there. I know that Jack Black wanted to play Billy. I think I heard that <laughs> from somebody. That'd be good. That although, be good. although I gotta say, if you've seen the movie Pixels, Peter Dinklage basically played Billy Mitchell already in that movie. I, so, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that was coincidence either. <laughs> right. 
Oh, so funny. Well, um, let me ask you that one more thing. Uh, I was looking on Twin Galaxies just the other night, and I saw that uh, I think they've got you currently at number fourteen on the on the leaderboards. But I was looking at a post that you made last month, and it awfully sounded it sounded an awful lot like you were maybe getting back into the the Donkey Kong competitive, like you were coming out of retirement. Is that the case? Yeah. Well, I was kind of watching my score drop and drop, and then I thought I need to probably put up a score that reflects the scores I can get now. So I'm going to probably, I'm just going to do that. I have a streaming um, set up and I've streamed once last week and I went for, I was gone for the last four days. So I wasn't mm-hmm. available to stream, but I was going to start streaming this summer because I have time on my hands and I was going to put up a, a score that would maybe get me in the top 10 at least. The world record is so high up there. I, it would take me so, a few years to, you know, develop the skill set to get that and the time needed. I mean, if you watch the guys go for the world records, they gotta they gotta point press so hard that they they gotta get a lot of luck because they're just putting themselves in risk mm-hmm. every second. So they gotta just grind it out and play so many hours and hopefully hit that one special game, which can take a lot of time. So I don't know if I'll ever get there, but I think I can at least get myself in the. My goal is the top five, at least. Nice. I don't know Donkey Kong, but it seems like it's no longer about making it to the kill screen. Now it's about you know jumping as many barrels as you can, about just getting as many points as you can. Is that is that yeah. the strategy these days? That's true. Yeah, like the to- the gameplay before it was just surviving, and not a lot of people could survive all the way to the end. But now it's a total different game. It's like you're trying to score. It's like a art. It's an art form in scoring points, so it's a diff- totally different right. than when, when I was playing it. I mean, we had to get uh, figure out a way to get enough points to get a million, but from there, I wasn't there wasn't all these people involved that were pushing the scores. They came along after I kind of started fading out of the out of the game, and so I wasn't ever pushing the limits like they are now. So it's definitely. Uh, that's the way these the new guys have, have grown up playing it. So that's this is probably the it's the, the normal way of playing it for them. So so that's how they play it. Uh, I would just like to commend you for getting a, a streaming set up and, and trying to come back legitimately instead of uh, just going after the guys who beat your score and saying that their scores <laughs> weren't legitimate and taking pictures of their Donkey Kong hardware and <laughs> trying to blackball them. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's not the way I, I operate. Yeah, they've put in a lot of work. I, I've met all the top gamers, and I know they work hard, and I respect all of them. Um, so, yeah, I'm just hoping to get my game up a little bit. And that would be that's kind of the challenge now. Walter Day, where's he at these days? I know Twin Galaxies is now uh, owned by somebody else, aren't aren't they? Yeah, Twin Galaxies is owned by Jace Hall. Okay. And um, Walter Day, I believe, still in Iowa. Okay. Does he have anything to do with the website anymore, or is that something he's just passed on? Yeah, he's sold. It's been sold and changed hands a couple times since he's left there. Um, so he's no longer a part of it at all. And hmm. Billy doesn't is no longer a part of it. Most of the people that were there are no longer part of it. Yeah, it looks like a whole new site. You know, it's it's got like yeah. a social feature now, and you can follow gamers' profiles. It's really, really, yeah. really come up since back in the day. 
Yeah, definitely. It's like, yeah, they have email. You can have, you can friend people. It's basically like its own little internet world of email and see how like social, social connecting. Where are you streaming on Twitch? If someone wanted yeah. to, to check out your streams, where would they go? Yeah, Twitch. You just go on Twitch. You don't even have to have an account. You can go on there. And if you want to follow me, I think you may have to have an account, but you just go on and you can just search for Steve J. Weeby. W-I-E-B-E, and then you can, this. if I'm streaming, it will show up on the left side of the, the screen. It'll show a bunch of people who are streaming. You just click on my name, and it will still bring up the game. Nice. It seems like a, you got anything else. No, nothing, nothing comes to mind other than <laughs> I think you're an awesome dude, Steve. I appreciate you coming on so much, and you know I really identify with you and King of Kong much more than any of the other people <laughs> in there. You know, I mean, you just see like just a normal, regular dude who decided to go, you know, had, had this specific talent and decided to set your record. And, and I mean, I, I think that's a great thing and a great lesson for anybody. Well, thanks, John. Appreciate that. Yes, sir. Do you ever go to any events anymore? Like I know you're talking about the Kong off and, and things like that. The Kong offs are the main one. There's a pinball that- video game show that happens in Seattle every year. I, I was going to those a few times. And I maybe I pop down there. This If they have it, I don't know if they're going to, with the day and age of what we're going through, they, they may not have it this summer, but that's I've been to those a few times, but I don't travel like around the, the states. Like I think Billy does a lot of appearances mm-hmm. in multiple like conventions, but I don't, I don't, unless someone invited me, you know, directly. I don't seek those out. I don't have the time and the money to, to fly around. But um, right, but I do go to the Kong offs if I can, and, and then the the local conventions I'll go and go to. Well, let me ask you this: How much would it cost us to get you in some Earth Oddity <laughs> swag next time you go to an event? <laughs> Zero dollars. Send it to me, dude. Awesome. I, I will text you. I will text you, man. Because uh, again, I cannot thank you enough. Our podcast is not huge. We don't have a huge audience, and you're certainly the biggest name that we've ever talked to on the show, and we cannot thank you enough. Yeah, absolutely. No problem. Glad to be on. If you're ever in Alabama, we'll buy you some barbecue or something. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) All right. I'll let you sign my baby. Maybe we can get a uh, (laughs) – Maybe to um, an Alabama football game. That's what I'm saying. There you go, yeah. Yeah, yeah. if we can get an Alabama-Washington regular season home-and-home going, that would be amazing. That would be amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That would be fun. (laughs) Well, anyway, again, thank you so much, and please keep us posted on any updates, and anytime you want to come back on the show and, and shout something out, just don't hesitate. Is there anything that you would like to to shout out on the show real quick, uh, any social or anything like that? Not really. Just thanks for everybody who supports me, I guess, and um, you can check out the streaming. Just hop on Twitch every now and then. I'll, I don't know if, if you are if you follow me, I think you'll get emails that tell tell you when I'm on playing so you don't have to like randomly check if you become a follower awesome so, awesome shout, shout out to those people that would support me that'd be great yes sir well i know this is the third time i've said it but thank you so much <laughs> oh yeah you have a great day and good luck Thanks, in the uh in your uh pursuit of higher donkey kong scores thank you i will need it <laughs> all right <laughs> thanks steve right. bye thank you John. thanks for bye 
Awesome dude. dude man. What a nice guy. Awesome dude. How can anybody like Billy Mitchell? See that? <laughs> Billy's not coming on our podcast. No, he's not. <laughs> What a nice guy. Man, such a pleasure to get to talk to him. One more time, I want to say thank you to Steve Weeby so much for letting us talk to him, for coming on the show and opening up about his life and what he's accomplished. I would like to remind everyone that if you would like to follow him on Twitch where he's streaming Donkey Kong, you can just search Steve J. Weeby. That is W-I-E-B-E. All lowercase, all one word should come right up. You can also stream his music on Spotify. If you just search his name, should come right up. I had no trouble finding it. Uh, as well as on YouTube, you can stream in there as well. Oh, by the way, music used in this episode was written and composed by Steve Weeby. So if you like it, check him out. And you can also follow him on Twitter at Steve Weeby DK on Twitter. Also, really quick before we go, I would just like to thank all of our Patreon supporters, and I would like to mention that if you would like to support us on Patreon, you can find us. We are patreon.com slash earthoddity, and there's only about another week left of June. So, once again, just for the month of June, if you sign up at the $10 tier, you get a free can of Cajun Curl, some stickers, and a koozie, a nice little uh, prize pack. Don't know if I have another chance to share that with you, so... Once again, thanks to everyone for listening. Thank you, Steve Weeby, for coming on the show, and we'll talk at you next week. Now, take it away, Steve!